Have you noticed this week that there has been a running theme in the news? Think about it. What do all these stories have in common? The Philip Schofield scandal. The news that Ben Robert Smith, the Australian military hero, is now accused of war crimes. The suspension of Labour MP Geraint Davis. And the furore over Boris Johnson's WhatsApp messages. I'll tell you what all those four stories have in common. All those stories are about the revelation of someone's true character. All four of these people have been loved and lauded by the general population. They've been given positions of high responsibility. They've been paid a fortune. They've been placed on pedestals. But now their secret acts are being exposed. We're not sure we like them as much as we once did. As human beings, when we're deciding who we're going to trust, who we're going to allow to teach and influence us, the very first thing we look for is character. We look for who a person really is underneath their fame and reputation. The great evangelist D.L. Moody once said, Character is what you are in the dark. We all know that character is important. It determines where we end up in life. In the assembly hall at Port Ellen Primary School, there is a poster with this quote on it. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Character is built up over time. It's the culmination of all our thoughts and actions through every moment of our lives. There are no shortcuts. Building good character takes work and determination. Building a good character is more than just amassing knowledge and much more important than making money. And the task of building a good character never ends. Even once we have it, we must ensure that we look after it. Thomas Paine, one of the founding fathers of America, once said something very relevant to the news stories this week. Character is much better kept than recovered. Truly, when it comes to the end of our lives, the greatest thing that anyone will say of us is that we were of good character. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the word character comes from the Greek word character which refers to the marks or imprints on a coin or a seal. In other words, then, our character is the impression our lives leave on those around us. And it's for this reason that our characters are what God is interested in the most. Our God is a wonderful, merciful, loving God. Through faith in Jesus, he will forgive us our sin. He will forgive us our mistakes and misdemeanors. Indeed, he will be far quicker to forgive the four men that I began this sermon by mentioning than the general public will be. God is not so interested in who we once were. What he is truly interested in is who we are becoming. How are we growing? 
How is our character developing so that it leaves a better mark on the world? A better impression on the lives of those around us? Ultimately, God wants to know, how is our character becoming more like his? And the perfect representation of that which we see in the Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians then, way, way before we go about judging the characters of others, as many have done in the media this week, we need to be steadfastly working on our own. For one day, we'll be judged on it. Today, we're continuing our exploration of a couple of prophets in the Old Testament. And we're going to see Elijah, who we've spent the last little while looking at, handing over the baton to his successor, Elisha. And what I want us to reflect on in all of this is Elisha's character and what we can learn from it for the development of our own. Right up front, I'd like to suggest that Elisha has a character that pleases God. Let's have a think why. If you're reading through the Old Testament in order, you will discover this is not actually the first time that we meet Elisha. Indeed, by the time we reach 2 Kings 2, Elisha has been following and learning from Elijah for quite some time. And it was God who raised Elisha to Elijah's attention back in 1 Kings 19. And he instructed Elijah to go and call him into service. And it's worth us listening to a little of what happened on that occasion. 1 Kings 19, verse 19 onwards. Elijah went and found Elisha. He was ploughing with twelve yoke of oxen. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the ploughing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Wow, that is some response, isn't it? On being called by Elijah, Elisha turns and says goodbye to his family. Indeed, he leaves his old way of life in such a way he can never return to it. He slaughters his oxen, he burns his ploughing equipment to cook the meat, and then he gives that meat to all the needy people in his community before he heads off to follow Elijah for the rest of his life. From just those verses then, how would we describe Elisha's character? Well, clearly, he is wholehearted. He is determined. He is sacrificial when it comes to the cause of the Lord. He won't hold anything back. Elisha is a radical. And clearly this was not just a one-off occurrence. This was who Elisha really was. Because in this passage, in 2 Kings 2, we see all those characteristics being demonstrated again. Elijah knows that his time on earth is coming to an end and he knows that he's only got one last journey to take. But even Elijah doesn't know where that journey will take him. So he urges Elijah, stay behind, wait for God's next instruction. But Elijah's having none of it. 
It doesn't matter how long the journey is. It doesn't matter how mazy the route is from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho to the side of Jordan. He's going too. He adamantly refuses to be left behind. Elijah's taught him so much and he will honour him by sticking by his side. So we see again Elisha's zeal, his determination. We also see his passion. At every step of this protracted journey, Israel's prophets remind Elisha that his master will soon be leaving him. And twice he snaps back with the same response. Yes, I know. Be quiet. Yes, I know. Be quiet. Elisha is a man who loves deeply. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He loves Elijah because he knows that he's been God's guide for his life. And Elisha's thrown his whole lot in with him. He's naturally upset that they'll soon be parted. I guess if there's one word that describes Elisha, it is committed. Elisha is committed. He's committed to God. He's committed to Elijah. He's committed to the people around him and the task that he has among them. Elisha is a man of radical commitment. And I suggest that that is a character trait that pleases the Lord. You know, as Christians, we can't make any excuses about this. We can't pretend that this is an Old Testament story. It doesn't really apply to us. Because for is this not exactly what Jesus also asked of us? What was it that Jesus said? Carry your own cross. Jesus asked us to follow him with our lives and not look back. He asked us to prioritize him, even over our families. He asked us to radically stand out from the world around us, to be as different and as noticeable as salt and light. Jesus also looked for radical commitment. He asked us to be wholehearted and determined in pursuit of him. He instructed us to take up faith in a zealous and a sacrificial way. And this character only develops by us continually saying yes to God. Choosing to never leave his path, even when the world tempts us away. I wonder how our lives match up to this. We should be in no doubt. Elisha has a character that pleases God. A character of commitment. But there's something else very important in this story. A second, even more important lesson for us to learn, and it's this. A character that pleases God is a character that knows they need God. It cannot just be me who reads about Elisha and thinks, I am a complete coward compared to him. I want to be a radical. I want to be sold out for Jesus. But so often I waver. So often I run and hide. So often I distract myself with the mundane things of life. So out of fear of stepping out in commitment. Well, here is the good news. Even Elisha was only able to go on and do the things that he did because he recognized that on his own, he didn't have enough. Alongside Elisha's commitment came humility. He knew he needed help and strength to achieve what was asked of him. He knew he needed God. 
After this long journey through Gilgal and Bethel and Jericho, after Elijah and Elisha have gone to the great effort of crossing the Jordan River, Elijah is clearly greatly impressed by his young successor. So he makes him an offer in verse 9. Tell me, Elisha, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And Elisha's answer is emphatic. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. All the way through Elijah's story, it was clear that it had been God working through him. Think of those stories that we ran through quickly with the children. It was God who sent the ravens to feed Elijah in the wilderness. It was God who sent the fire on Mount Carmel. It was God who picked Elijah up when he was suicidal. It was God that enabled Elijah to bravely challenge the injustices of King Ahab. It had been God all the way, working through Elijah. And to his great credit, Elisha knew if his life was going to make a similar impact on the world, he also would need God working through him in much the same way. When Elisha asks for a double portion, he's not being greedy. He's not asking to be even better than Elijah was. He's recognising his great need. If Elijah needed God's spirit to be at work in his life to achieve the things that he did, Elisha knew he needed it even more. And the asking of a double portion is also the old Israelite tradition of passing on an inheritance to a firstborn. The oldest son received more from his father because he had the added burden of looking after the rest of the family in his father's place. Elisha knows that he is about to succeed Elijah and he realises the size of responsibility that is. And he knows that he alone is not up to it. He's going to need a lot of help. Again, I think we see the great character of Elisha here on being given the opportunity to ask for anything in the world. He doesn't ask for property or riches. He doesn't ask for fame. He asks for help. He wants to spend the rest of his life serving the Lord, as Elijah had done. And he knows he needs God's spirit to do it. Did you notice that when Elisha made this request, Elijah's response was quite guarded? Listen again. When they crossed the river Jordan, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked for a difficult thing. Elijah said. You see, Elijah knew that it wasn't his spirit that empowered his life and ministry. It was God's. And only God could grant this request. But Elijah also knew that Elisha's request would please God. And that God would want to bestow his spirit upon him. And indeed, that is what happens After Elijah has been miraculously taken up into heaven, Elisha finds himself needing to cross back over the river Jordan. So he does what all good apprentices do. He tries to copy his master. He picks up the cloak and he hits the water. And at the same time, did you notice, he asked a question. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when the waters pile up to leave a dry path, 
Elisha gets an emphatic reply. The God of Elijah was now with him. God's spirit now empowered his life. And that giving of the spirit was so profound that the company of watching prophets confirmed it. The company of the prophets said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to him and bowed before him. So we say again, the great importance of all this for our lives today is as follows. A character that pleases God is a character that knows they need God. They don't arrogantly set off into the world in their own strength. They recognize their need of God's spirit in everything they do. Last Sunday was Pentecost. And when we think of that, we can see the great parallel with this story. Like Elijah, the whole of Jesus' ministry was empowered by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that came upon him at his baptism. When Jesus had finished his work on earth, he ascended into heaven. And that same Spirit was then poured out on his successors, the church, us. We are now to try and do what Jesus did in the world. And the only way that is possible is by living a humble life that recognizes our daily dependence on the Lord. So today then we've been thinking about character. Our character is the most important thing we have. It takes a lifetime to build and a second to ruin. But we should not fear For God will always forgive us and wants to help us go on building a good character. A character that pleases God is a committed one. We're to radically follow him with every aspect of our lives. We're to put the Lord before everything else and stick as close to Jesus as we possibly can. But the only way we are ever going to do that is if we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. A godly character is a humble one. One that recognises the need for God day by day, moment by moment. Elisha had the wisdom to ask for God's spirit. We are now going to pray and ask the same.